What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the show. Today we have a joint episode with the lovely Butter Your Macros, Natalie and Heidi. How are you guys doing? Dude, we're doing great. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. You, we were talking about a little like soccer, like withdrawal, but then I just chuckle. Like if you're a soccer fan, you know that if you're like my mom or like Jenna, then you know that soccer is always on. Like there's a big game on it too. Like soccer never over. There's always something to watch. So I'm doing okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I love it. It's what's so funny is like we're recording, but I feel like we've seen you a lot. So it's like weird to go into podcast mode now. Oh, I know. Seriously. Because, yeah. Let's just do like a shameless little plug. Like you guys were working on something really cool. If you enjoy our podcast, you're going to enjoy working with us and being with us in our new program coming up. So to be um, released within the next, some more details in the next couple of weeks. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. We don't, we don't need to do a big catch up. We've totally, we've been catching up, which is fun because we don't have so much time today and we have a nice topic. So let's jump right into it. The title for today's episode will be some iteration of how to count macros and not F up your relationship with food. Some, <laughs> some iteration with that. Like how to make, even need an iteration. I think that's a really good yeah, one. Yep. Yeah. How to do it you know, in, in, in a mentally healthy way, in a way that can get you physical goals, but also quality of life goals. Um, and we were just like jotting down some quick things, just like how to, how to do it. And I was going to like, part of me thinks like, this is the only way you should, like, I'm looking at all this stuff. I'm like, this is what you should be doing. Like, this is not just like a, Hey, if you want to not F up your, like you should be doing it that way. Like that should be the goal. It's not like, no, 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 I'm not worried about that. No, no, you should be worried about that. And if we, the things we go through today are like, a lot of the things like very generally I would say you should be doing. And I, and I, to kind of just finish that word vomit is like when people talk about like, uh, counting calories is causes eating disorder or some, some breakdown of that sentence. Um, most of the time if you ask somebody what their experience was with calorie counting or some like somebody who's had that negative experience, like what, what was your experience with calorie counting? They would describe something at least to you and me that we would not be coaching. And so it's like, I'm sorry for you that this was your foray into calorie counting because this is not what I would have recommended for you. And this is not what I would want for anybody. Um, and so what you are describing, yeah, I, I oftentimes when it's described to me, I, oftentimes I like not nod along and I'm like, I'm not super surprised that you ended up having a negative connotation to calories, uh, calorie counting, having it negatively affect your impact, uh, your relationship with food. like. A lot of times I'm not surprised and that's because it comes in a lot of shapes and sizes. Tracking doesn't, it's not just like a one size fits all should come with, you know, education and support and, you know, some of the stuff we're going to talk about today. But is that something that you guys have experienced where like you get some backlash about tracking and then you hear more about what that person was doing and you're like, yeah, you know, I, I see where you're coming from. Yeah. Or I would hate it too, if I approached it that way. Right. And mm -hmm. I think what's interesting is, you know, we talk about like a relationship with food. And I think I would argue that most people don't even know what theirs is. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, we obviously know as coaches and as people and people who have pursued, you know, some kind of therapy level, it's like, there are always layers to every single relationship. Right. And the, your relationship with food is arguably no different than a relationship with a person. You have thoughts and beliefs and ideas around it. And if you're even a person who has, use this is good, this is bad, or I'm going to be really good today, or I'm going to eat clean, or I'm not going to eat this, or this makes me fat, or I have no control over fill in the blanks. You already have this relationship with food that you might not even be aware of. And so it's interesting how tracking and dieting can actually bring out the worst of your relationships, right? <laughs> like it's a toxic relationship of its own, but in a lot of ways, people don't even see that they even like, we bring up like, Oh, what's your relationship with food? Like they're like, it's great. It's fine. It's like, what, 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 like you should know your relationship with food. And so I would argue that that's like the first step into any of this pursuit, right? It's like, what, what is your relationship with food? DTR, determine totally. the relationship with food. Totally. I mean, you probably heard people say like food is neutral. And while that is true, there's not very many people who actually feel neutral about it. And nor should that really be the goal, but rather when you understand that that's true, you can realize okay, so that means everything that I think and believe about food, I'm projecting onto food. And so once you, once you realize that, then we can start to get, then you can start to get curious about the different things about it that, you know, maybe are, um, blocking you or obstacles or making, making you feel bad, um, in some way or, or another, but definitely, definitely <laughs> counting macros is not, nor should it be like trying to cure yourself of food. 
Right. And, and, and it can. I mean, we counted macros and got a lot of awareness about our relationship mm-hmm. with food that way. But that's also if are you objectively even open to wondering what it is? Right. And I mean, that's the first point that you wanted to bring up is like working on it first before counting macros. And I would absolutely agree. I think even just getting curious about what it is, the relationship, like how do you feel about food? Do you find yourself like avoiding things or saying no to things or having a belief around it? I mean, you hear it all around you hear it all the time. Like, Oh, I'm going to be good today. No, thanks. Or oh, I was really bad yesterday. I had pizza. Like even just the things you say like that will tell you exactly how you feel about it. Yep. I find that. So what we're talking about here is actually something I, I think we could be its own podcast. And now that I'm thinking about, it, I'm like, wow, this would have been a great by itself. It's just like, how do I even like, how do I know what my relationship with food is? Um, and and I think that the first thing we are talking about today is kind of making sure that that's something that you are either working on before you even consider tracking calories or tracking whatever, um, or you're like doing some form of parallel where you're doing both at the same time, which we'll discuss like if and how that's possible. But I guess let's stay on this for a second. And if we tangent, we tangent. But like to me, that that takes some level of introspection. You're like, hey, I need to assess the words I'm using, the feelings that I'm having around food, the feelings I'm having around my body, because I think they are intimately tied a lot of times they're they're just very synergistic of like how I feel about my body and that can kind of, I can then project that onto my thoughts of exercise and food because they just like are the inputs that I'm thinking, you know, affect the thing I care about most, whatever. Um, and so the, the idea of like becoming more introspective, there's, there's, to me, there's like a little irony there. It's like, how do I become more introspective? And to me, it is, introspective is like a singular thing of like within myself, but I've found it most helpful to, bring in help with that. And so like, whether it's, you know, a coach or therapy where it's like, I want to learn to be a bit more introspective, which is supposed to be about me, but having a guided structure to getting better at that, asking the right questions, learning the right paths to go down and be like, Hey, why do I feel that way? Hey, why do I use that word? Hey, is like almost like you need a trained eye to come in and, and, kind of just put a spotlight on some of that stuff and, and be curious about. I, I, if you've never like done some intense therapy, I don't myself, like I'm not intense therapy. I just mean having done it maybe consistently for a while. Like that's the only way I learned to cultivate those skills of being a little bit more introspective and being able to like think about my language a bit more and stuff like that. And I try and do that as a coach. So I just think generally having somebody there, would you guys say it's like, okay, listen, if you can learn to be more introspective, pay attention to your words. There's stuff you can do on your own, but I'm sure a lot of what you guys do is like just reflect back what you're hearing and then have people be like, ooh, yeah, maybe there's something there. Right. Well, I mean, you talked about, you know, acknowledging that your relationship with food and your relationship with your body are intimately tied and they completely are. It's how many people are like, oh, I was really good today and they're in a good mood. They feel really good. Or the second that they go, you know, off track, off script, off whatever, they beat themselves up. And so like that tells you more about it. It's like, do you really like only date bad boys or is there something about the bad boys you date? that tells you something about yourself, right? <laughs> like, you know, it's like, have you ever asked yourself, like, you know, why, why do I have so many failed relationships? Like, I always date the same kind of bad guys. Like, well, what is it about the bad guy that you like, right? What are you attracted to? What is it about this? And like, the same thing goes for like your diets and the foods you eat. You know, if you think that clean eating, I mean, I, I love Robin for my work so much, but she does, she has done every single diet under the sun. Like, and I watch it all the time. And it, it's been really fascinating because the way she talks about herself when she's doing paleo or whole 30 or today, can we get Uber Eats? But I'm not trying to be good or anything like that today. I just want to get, you know, I just want to eat what I want to eat today. I want to go to, I want to get stone fire today. And I'm like, okay, well, once again, it's just like, it's just, it's just a restaurant, right? It doesn't mean, you know, that stone fire is inherently evil because arguably it's actually not <laughs> you your protein bowl really easy at stone fire. But I'm just saying like, she has these beliefs tied to whatever it is, right? So if she's off script, she's being naughty. Right. And so if so, if you hear the words you speak to yourself with about the things you eat, you'll know really in a day how you feel about food is it just requires. But you have to pay attention, which is part of the problem, because people like to not pay attention when it comes to their food. Help me what to eat. I don't want to, have to think about it. A hundred percent. Well, you mean you don't know what you don't know. And so to your point, Jordan, I think bringing in somebody who who can ask good questions, who brings some objectivity to it, um, which is, you know, is one of the things that I think tracking could potentially help with is, is realizing like all foods break down to calories and macronutrients. And so it is a, there's a way of equalizing that, but you know, you don't, until you can bring in some self-awareness and objectivity, you don't realize that though your opinions or thoughts about food or bodies or the way it all works, you don't realize that those are just your beliefs. You think you're talking about reality. I mean, my, my daughter and I were with, uh, an acquaintance earlier this week. And she made in an hour and a half, she made several, um, 
you know, pretty, pretty startling comments, you know, one of which was, you know, commenting about another girl and how she's so tiny using her pinky as like, you know, just this big, even though she cooks with cream and sugar and all these things. And again, correlating, like, how can, how can those two things be true? Like only, you can only have a body that looks a certain way if you're eating a certain way. Right. And that's reflective of how so many people believe, but like you were saying, whether it's, you know, stone fire or what you're, what ingredients you're cooking with, like the context overall is really what matters when it comes to diet or your beliefs about yourself. I think we're going to, we're absolutely going to give you the listener, you guys listening, we're absolutely going to talk about tracking, I promise, and kind of how (laughs) to talk about that process and how to make it uh, less bad for mental health, more more likely to have a positive experience. We will talk about that. But I think the first thing we are trying to get to you guys and hammer home is to work on some other things first. And I, you know, work on your relationship with food is one of the more vague sentences. and, And so I think, I'd like to just say that that's the thing I would want everyone to take home from this first is like, I want people to do that first. If they can, there's a way to work on it during, you know, that's possible. But I think working on it first, or at least acknowledging that that's the step one is acknowledging your relationship with food, acknowledging what your relationship with your, what your like body image relate relationship with your body slash body image is. And that those are intimately tied. Your, your relationship between your body, your food and your exercise are intimately tied and starting to take a closer look at that and assessing if, Tracking is going to exacerbate negative things, help in a good way. And so I think step one just is is working on it first, working on your relationship with, with food first, working on non-tracking things first would be far and away my more preferred in chronological order or sequence of events here. Um, I promise we will talk about, you know, actual specific things when it comes to like a tracking process and maybe coaching process and stuff like that. But I definitely think that we're all in agreement here that this is something that we, it's like, the title is how to count macros and not F up your relationship with food. And the best way to do that is to work on the relationship with food side first so that you can look at tracking anything. However you track macros, calories, we'll talk um, a bit more neutrally and a bit more uh, objectively because you know, you have that mindset already intact. And let's just declare like when we, when people say food is neutral, we don't mean that it has no meaning at all. We're meaning that like it can go either way, depending on how you feel about it. So I think that's important to establish. People think that like food is fuel. It doesn't mean anything to me or like, or you're supposed to like not enjoy it at all. It's like, that's not what food is neutral mean. It, I think we just need to, some people think, oh, I'm supposed to get to a place where, or they think there's a place right. that like. I don't care about food anymore. That's I don't care about food yeah. at all. No, sorry. All, all, all it is is that we see it as macronutrients and it's just like protein, carbs, fat. We don't actually see it for any enjoyment, pleasure or anything like that. And then if you are somebody who is like, well, actually I eat everything. So I feel like I have a good relationship with food. I don't have anything I dislike. Let's also look at your relationship with exercise and food. Then if that's another barrier, like for instance, I would be like, oh, 500 calories on the treadmill. I earned myself this, right? So that could also be part of your relationship with food. Even if you have like a really broad palate and you're not air quote denying yourself of anything, are you earning things or do you feel like you haven't deserved something could also be part of that too. That's, that's something that I think is a big one that I think not counting calories burned is actually one of the best ways to make counting calories a better experience. I have my my barber. Um, he's just, he's on a health journey. He's the nicest guy ever. And he's, uh, was just like, hey, talking about his Apple Watch. Said, ah, I look, I try and burn this many calories per day on my Apple Watch. And like, there was a moment where I was like, I could have jumped in and be like, that's dumb. Don't do that. But like, just to use that as an example, like even just going from counting calories burned to tracking steps, although you could tell me that one is a proxy for the other and they are the same thing, just fucking calling it something different will stop you from subconsciously equating the movement that you do as for, you know, earning you calories that you eat and then calories that you eat being burned off with the movement that you do. And you will just have a less likelihood that you're going to start to directly correlate those two, which I think is mega important for your relationship with exercise and nutrition, which are intimately tied. I see a lot of people like trying to burn X amount of calories. It's like, it's too similar to the calories you're tracking over here that you're you're, you are trying to equate them too specifically. Of course, calories in and calories out. Of course, they are two sides of the equation, but we don't want to be so specific with, uh, you know, I did this many calories on the treadmill. I get to have this many calories in my mouth and, and, and vice versa. I feel like that's an important piece. Yeah. And then also just make sure you're turning off your exercise calories and your my fitness pal while you are tracking. Cause sometimes it does add those calories back in and then you're basically either overshooting, undershooting or right at maintenance. So totally. Well, and understanding too, that like, you, you, the majority of your calorie burn comes from who you are, like how, how old you are, your, how tall you are, like, like 
you know, if you were in a coma, you would still burn the major same, like um, the majority of your calorie burn would still happen. That your activity is, I prefer to think of it as that is your, is that is how your body, your body adapts to the type of exercise that you do. So if you're lifting weights, your body will adapt to that. Same thing with cardio or those kinds of things, but obsessing over calories burned through movement. Um, yeah, tr- trying to, when we can't, and we'll, we'll, we'll be touching on this, I'm sure throughout, but when you can't control your own emotions, it definitely makes you uh, controlling of things outside of yourself, whether that be, you know, what you're seeing on your Apple watch, my fitness pal or other people or situations, but really realizing like, that's all very, very fear-based. And what is it that you are so terrified of or trying to control so much? We are going to, I totally agree. And we're going to talk about some of like the the nuts and the bolts of like setting up your calories and like, you know, yeah. should you track calories and protein or macros? Like those are all things that I think are relevant. It's like, what level of flexibility are you doing this with? But I think I'm going to speak, I was going to say speak from the heart, this stupid comment. I'm going to speak just from like more of like a recency bias of like something I've been thinking very strongly recently. And, and I, I'm happy if you guys pick it apart actually, or not, or you agree, whatever we'll see. But like, I have I can't wait. doubled and tripled. I'm and, still on it from the heart. <laughs> I've doubled and tripled and quadrupled down on having like, if, if, if listen, sometimes you have to give clients with, sometimes you have to give people what they want to give them what they need. You have to find that balance of like, Hey, we're not, Hey, we're going to do six months at maintenance, no tracking, work on the relationship with food. And then we're going to start tracking. Like, it's like, sometimes that's not the best way to help people because they're coming to you with like a high level of motivation. You want to like start, start to get the ball rolling a little bit. So you try and find that happiest marriage. But one of the things I'm doubling, tripling, quadrupling down on with clients is, is either actively seeking out time to practice not tracking during a phase where that person is tracking. So either actively seeking that time out and like specifically being like, hey, we're gonna take a week off tracking or more more like passively letting those times come to me. So if it's like, hey, a long weekend, if someone goes away for a long weekend or they have a dinner out or they have a, you know, a lot of people are like, I, I, a lot of people struggle with tracking when they didn't make the food, when they go on vacation, when they go out to dinner. And I'm not, I'm going to say something hyperbolic, very, very absolute, um, and maybe I don't believe it 100%, but I'm, it's, I'm close to it, that I actually think that, that those are just opportunities where I'm telling people, I don't want you to track them. Like, it depends. If you do that stuff so often, then we probably want to maybe be a little bit on the on that other end of the spectrum and being a little bit more precise. What I'm trying to get at is like, if I have a client in the, even in a deficit and they have a dinner out at work dinner, or they have a long weekend or they go on vacation. Like I'm, I, the, of the options that they have on the table, people are like, should I stick to my calories? Should I keep tracking? Like, I don't want you to track. I actually am actively seeking out this time for us to practice anything else, anything else, meal composition. Basically, can you survive without this? Can you build nutritious satiating meals without this can you manage indulging on things that are fun when they when when you feel they are worth it plus also not rounding your nutrition all the way down to zero so i'll, I'll come full circle here i'll shut up but like one of the ways that like i think you can count macros and not f up your relationship with food is more actively practice not tracking even while you're tracking i know we just talked about prior to tracking but while you are tracking yes even if you're in a deficit you're going away for a long weekend you're going to a wedding i don't want you to track a fucking thing i want you to Try something else, which of course we will talk about. Coach to clients, like, hey, maybe we work on just having two drinks, not ten, you know, or getting a protein on every plate, and just focus on that. And even if that's like not the best to like perfectly stick on your deficit, we have to practice other stuff so that you have other things in the other tools in the toolkit other than just counting your calories. Okay, so I I I think that we're probably in so we're like similar camps but neighboring camps because I I you weren't really around in the beginning in the conception of um, butter your macros but that's all we did was go out to eat <laughs> um so for us to like have the flexibility to be like don't track any of those meals that would mean that well you guys found the, the the macros well, somewhere right? right and so to to address kind of like what your your thoughts are behind the process and and I agree I think there's a lot of power in allowing yourself to like enjoy your life and practice what you've learned because the assumption is that this whole time that you're tracking you're also teaching yourself stuff, right? Like that would be the assumption and the hope as coaches that we would hope that you would be looking at and familiarizing yourself with like, what does three ounces of chicken look like? What does a serving size of chips look like? You know, do you know that there are nine French fries and a small at Chick-fil-A? Like, you know, things like that, creating a little bit of awareness of like, and context for what you're eating. Right. But I think that, 
you know, before we can even do any of that is addressing the fear, right? A lot of people just feel like we cannot trust themselves when they go out to eat. They think drive-throughs are, you know, devil, the devil, right? Anytime they have to like, you know, get fast food, it might as well just be like an end to their diet. Like, so addressing the fear around, you know, eating outside of your kitchen first would be what I think that we would suggest. And, and we created a whole page literally about restaurants. It's at Butter Your Macros Eats. We've done the nutritional information of basically anywhere you could possibly eat or some or something similar to. And so a lot of times what the tracking comes is like showing yourself and proving yourself that you can actually go out to eat and not like, you can still, you can still lose weight. You can still hit your goals and you're not going to like, just like lose, you know, lose your shit, excuse my language, like just from having like, you know, you drove through one day. Right. Because, sure, you know, definitely. You, and then you start blaming your lifestyle. Like, Oh, well, if I only had prepared more, if I had meal prepped all week long, then I wouldn't have had to drive through McDonald's, but we were like at a soccer game and it was 10 o'clock at night and everyone was hungry and I was hungry too. And I mean, then we start qualifying and then we start creating a toxic relationship with how we feel about our goals because we feel like we can't do them. Right. And so that's fair. Yes, reducing alcohol intake or, you know, having untracked meals at parties and events. But I will say that I've actually tracked at a wedding before because I was super curious just to see what it was. I did have someone who was like, nah, don't do that <laughs> on the post that I did about it. But it was it was more of an out of a curiosity, right? Sure. Like, what do these That's fair. events, you know, air quote, cost us, right? What What is the reality of it? Can you stay on track if you want to, right? And that's what this all comes down to. What are your desires? What are your needs? What are your wants? And what are you addressing with tracking, with, with weight loss, with the pursuit of muscle definition, right? Um, the relationship with yourself. But I think addressing that fear before you go into it, like, can you drive through without it? being really noisy. And a way to do that is to see what it costs. Like when you realize that, I don't know, like a in and out hamburger is really only like 260 calories. Does that seem really scary to you? Hopefully not. Right. And so then you can go out later with your friends and get a burger and they're like, this is probably not going to kill me. Right. So it's more of like addressing the fear before you go and then embracing the fear and trying it anyways. Right. And, and, and trusting that you learn something in this process, because that's really what tracking is supposed to do. Supposed to give you context and perspective for what where you're sitting at, right? Just like budgeting, like where you're, what you're spending. Hundred percent. I mean, I all of that, and then also, also kind of full circle to your point, Jordan. Like realizing that while you can't, while that information is available, and I think just like I was saying with like your your BMR being what burns the majority of your calories, like I think understanding educating yourself on options and um, strategies like that. And then also realizing that you don't have to, that that is a, that your, that your results are not that fragile and that not every single decision has to be a calorie cost benefit analysis that you also like are a free agent that can, that can go off script and, um, and, and that you'll be just fine also. So it's, it's like the most annoying world word ever, but it's, it is a balance, right? It's like, you know, no, no different than us kind of, you know, realize it feeling like we're on the outside of fitness for most of our lives then realizing, oh my gosh, maybe we can do this. And then grinding super hard and then realizing, oh, we don't have to do it that hard. Right. And that, that sort of full circle. Yeah. That's, that's all, that all makes sense to me. It's, it, it depends on what the person's headspace is in. I've just like, it's almost like there's, if someone asks you like what the problem with tracking is, I track it doesn't work for me. It's like, okay, what's the problem? And they're like, well, I want to go away for like a weekend or something. Like I just, it's really, it's really difficult for me. And I've just like found like taking that excuse away and be like, great, we're not going to track on those times. Anytime you go away for your one of these weekends, you're not tracking. And guess what? We'll practice other things. It's not like we're just like, hey, fuck it. You know, we're not gonna do anything. We'll practice other things. And it's like, oh shit. Now I don't really have that, that. And and I, I, I like, I like that you guys countered with something sl a slightly different perspective because totally the, the illumination of realizing that, you know, I can go to in and out and it's, it's 260 calories for me to partake and I don't need to be a, you know, a hermit about it, um, is totally one outcome or hypothetical situation that I think brings a good outcome. So I'm with that too. That that's actually a good point as well. And it also comes down to how often this happens. If I have a client who's like 100%. six yeah, days a week, they're out. It's too. like, we're doing something else all ent entirely. Totally. Well, and like you eat the majority of your meals at home. And so when you go out, you you should have untracked meals, Jordan, because like 90% of your food is eaten at home. Right. And then, but then you have, you know, some of us who 90% of our food for the week sometimes is eaten, not in our house. And so I think that depending on where you're at and what you're able to like see and track and where you are with your goals, it's nice to give your, your con the context of your life perspective, right? And I think that's really what it comes down to too. This is a very individual process to be able to find what works best for you in the context of your life, which is why we always say, you know, don't copy someone on Instagram, right? Like if I had to only eat like Jordan lips, I'd probably be screwed. Like I don't have time to roast myself vegetables every day. I it would be really nice to, but 
the reality is like I do drive through probably every week. I mean, it's just, you know, we got people to feed at home and sometimes I don't come home at seven o'clock and want to cook something for everybody. And so I, it could either be like, well, Natalie, you can never have any goals because your life isn't spent, you know, able to be cooking at home, or I can figure out how to make going through a drive-through work for my life. Right. And then not have as much noise about it because I know what to order. I don't have to track it because I know what to get. For the record, I, the only things that I cook, literally, I'd say 90% of the things that I cook are things that are from Costco that are already cooked that I heat up. <laughs> so I was like thinking about like the vegetables, I like I frozen, like my meals are just like things that are 75% of the way cooked by the time they get into my cart in the store. It's like, hey, this is, these vegetables are frozen, but they're already cooked, heat them up. Or it's like this, right, the sous vide so chicken from you, Costco. But, like, it, but it is healthcare that you are allowed to, you have the time to prepare yourself yeah, like sure. even I'm with, with 75%. No, I totally, like, I agree with that, totally. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Semi-homemade, I like it. Oh yeah, that's a, it's the greatest. Costco, if you just go to Costco and you're like the stuff that's almost already all the way cooked, I just need to warm up. The the things that fall into that category are like are endless. And 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 people people there's a person who will not be named who was made a post about like, "Hey, shopping at Costco is making you fat." I don't know what I'm not I don't I understand what this person's trying to say, buying in bulk. If you have uh let's say you have like a large bag of Doritos that you're more likely to eat more Doritos than if you had a individual sized pack of Doritos. Like I get that as a general construct, but it's actually a deterrent for me sometimes. Like I, if I looked at like the overall like nutrition quality of my cart when I leave Costco versus if I go to HEB or something, Costco is more nutritious food, I'd say generally, because it's a deterrent that I have to buy so much. I'm like, hey, I want this like bag of, maybe I want this like bag of like kettle cup, Chips or whatever, kettle corn chips or whatever. What are those? Popcorners. Popcorners. Yeah, not even that. It's like a like 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 kettle cooked. Like a yeah, kettle cooked. Oh, okay. Like, crazy? Like, yeah, like Cape cod, cooks. like a Cape cod chip. Yeah, the Cape cod chip is like literally the size of my entire torso, and I'm like, nah, I don't really need that much. And then I don't buy it at all. And so for me, I'm looking down, and I'm like, I'm only going to buy this stuff. Like if it sold individual packages of stuff, I'd buy more. So I find that to be an interesting thing. Anyway, total tangent. Well, and party size does exist at Walmart and regular grocery stores. So true, 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 Costco, true. I mean, you know, Costco's wild. You can get in trouble at a grocery store too. Whoever the Costco hater is, <laughs> Costco's <laughs> crazy, man. It, it is great. It is the end of the yellow brick road. I do agree with you though that it is like. But it's statements like that, that like, that I think just stoke the, stoke the, the fear fire here. Like, oh my gosh, I don't have the body I want and I shop at Costco. So now, now what? Right. And it's like, it is, whether it's people saying like, do you know how many pushups you have to do to like work off those kettle chips or whatever? Well, I didn't even know that if you have pit stains, like. Or if you go to the, if your arms over. don't look good at the party, you can go to the bathroom and do pushups and get a pump. So, oh my gosh, I, I'm still I'm still stuck on the pit stains on your shirts. Like I didn't even know that that was like, oh my gosh, Jordan lips, you have pit stains. Yeah, I'm you're fucked, not. Yeah, fast. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> game over. Yeah, let's talk about let's talk about some of like the actual like nuts and bolts of like how you might track. I think if we're just gonna quick recap, I think acknowledging that doing some work on the front end that doesn't have to do with tracking, whether it's relationship with with food, body image, exercise doing that first on the front end, which is like some level of awareness and some level of action about changing that would be number one. I think number two would be uh, considering working on it during. So kind of having a parallel approach of like either going to therapy while you're doing this so you can talk about this stuff or making sure you have a coach with which you, like with whom you talk about this with. Like how many people have coaches that like don't don't actually ever, ha yeah, I was gonna say see them. Some coaches do a great job through email, but like you gotta be, you gotta be like, yeah. If you have a coach that you never ever get a chance to have like in-depth conversations. So even if it's an email, like you can still do in-depth conversations in email. Like if you go the extra mile as a coach and a client, like you can do that. So let's just say, if you don't have these sorts of conversations with your coach at all, like I find it to be really like a really a tough sell for like people who are like, hey, I also need to get better with my relationship with food. Like you're probably not doing that if we like email a little blurb once a week. Like it's probably not the best thing to do. So I think that would be number two. Uh, number three, what might be some consideration of either practicing not tracking. <laughs> it's funny because it's some combination of practicing not tracking so that you can work on other principles too and practicing tracking when it's hard uh, as to illuminate the fact that you could probably also survive calorically maybe better than you think. As an extension of what tracking does, which is teach you what's, you know, how much calories and macros are in foods, this is one of those times where it can teach you that, okay, you can survive in these external circumstances. And then the third bracket of things I think we'll go into now is like specific things about how you track that might 
uh, you know, more likely be not so bad for your relationship with food, let's say. So you guys, we can go back and forth on, you guys can throw one out to start. Um, I think there are definitely a couple different camps. Um, we're of the do not pre-log variety. Um, it gives us anxiety to think about like what we're doing the next day. And also like, what if you have a perfectly fit puzzle and all of a sudden like one piece comes out and you don't even know what to do with it and the whole thing can fall That's out. That's cool. And come down. I like that. So, but there are people who believe and preach and advise and recommend pre-logging. And while I can definitely see the benefits of it, my personality type doesn't allow me to. So if I was forced to be a pre-logger, I would not have had success with macros. Tell me more about that, that experience, like how that can be a down, what the downside of that can be. Oh, uh, pre-logging? Yeah. I think okay. it's up on, it's like a holy grail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and so no, no, like, no, I'm no, curious what the downside right? of that is. I mean, I see as what you mean, with, but I want you to go as, as somebody with some ADHD, I don't even really know what I'm going to be doing in three hours. Okay. Because to <laughs> sit and think like, oh, I have an appointment at seven o'clock at night. My whole day is spent thinking about that. So if it's the same way with food. If I feel like I only have these certain things that I'm allowed to have throughout the whole entire day, it allows me no flexibility for anything that happens or changes in my day. First of all, what if I open the fridge and what I thought I was going to eat and what I had pre-logged that fit exactly into my numbers was gone all of a sudden? Or what if it went bad? Because that's also something that has happened, right? RIP bag salads. Anyways. <laughs> Or like, what if I just don't want that anymore? Or what if my husband calls me and it's like, hey, can we get pizza tonight? Or if Heidi and Ben are like driving through somewhere and like, do you want Chick-fil-A too? And I'm like, yeah, I want Chick-fil-A. I don't want to cook what I had planned. Or, I mean, there's a whole, there's probably more reasons I can give you about why pre-logging for me would not work than, than just winging it. And so, yeah, were there some nights that I had to have like six, you know, cups of egg whites and like handful of blueberries and like you know, half a glass of fair life milk to make my protein goal because I had done too much carbs and fat in the front of the day. Sure. But then now we know that you can do protein and calories. And like, that is such a game changer for hitting all three. Right. But when we were tracking, we were hitting all three and you know, what's really cool about it. You really learned how to eat balanced really, really quickly. You know how to like recognize like how your body feels like, Oh crap, I'm probably short on carbs right now, or I could really use some protein. And by being on the fly, it allowed me to make choices for myself throughout the day to fill my needs, especially if I hadn't eaten for a long time, or I had some flexibility in like the way my windows worked. You know, as a hairdresser, sometimes I don't get to eat for five or six hours. Sometimes I do. And so what was nice about that is it allowed me to like match what I was doing. Um, and yeah, it takes a little bit more thought. It takes a little bit more effort, but you know, having, you know, my own variation of like pre-logging your meal prep, which is by having protein sources on hand, having similar breakfast, having similar lunch, like those same kind of ideas that you would maybe pre-log with, but more in like a flexible forum was really actually really freeing for me. Cause then I could make my own decisions about what I wanted to eat instead of feeling like I was confined to this that I had planned the day before. Because you know what? Sometimes Monday Natalie doesn't know what Thursday Natalie wants. And I just <laughs> don't want to make that assumption for myself. But also, well, what did happen? Like, let's just say at the end of the day, like you did have, you know, 700 calories left. I could go fill that 700 calories with something that I wanted. And then it felt less of like a diet and more of like I was able to make choices, but within these kind of confines and this construct. And so that was what was helpful for me. Um, I know it's not a something that works with a, for a lot of people, but it also comes down to how curious you are about your process and like how much you trust yourself with things too, you know, and, and your process, which you can listen to our is tracking triggering episode. And you will know why I can't, it's because of the day planner mentalities. I don't want to prejudge myself or pre-plan for myself when I don't really know what I'm What about you, see. Heidi? Is that, are you similar um, in that way? Personality wise? <laughs> Yeah, I think there's a, there's definitely a lot of overlap. Um, for me, I think making decisions, making a lot of decisions is really overwhelming. And ironically, the more, the more trivial the decision, the more overwhelming it is to me. Like, give me a huge life crisis decision. I can get some clarity pretty quick, but like the making a multitude of mini decisions is just really overwhelming. And like Nat said, it, like it coincides with so many other decisions, like, where will it, where will I be? Who will I be with? Will they want it too? Is this, you know, all, all of that kind of a thing. So definitely, uh, not feeling I, yeah, I, 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 the, the, the pre-logging lifestyle is just a little bit too rigid for me, but for me, it actually feels like less effort to, um, to just have protein, a few different protein sources in the, in the fridge, make most of the family meals we make typically higher in protein, um, have, you know, some Costco <laughs> protein shakes on hand. Um, and, and I, it's been way easier for that than, you know, the first go, I think we tried to use like clean, simple eats, like way, way, but way back in the day. And it's like following other people's recipes or following other people's like style of eating is just not 
it's just not, not for me. And we're also kind of just naturally people pleasers. So if everyone in our, like, we don't control all the food landscape for everyone in our house. We've got picky eaters. We've got husbands that like, don't want to eat or too. Yeah. Don't want to eat the way we want to eat. So it would be really hard for us to eat the same thing every single day. Like it just, it just doesn't want to work with our lifestyle. So we just didn't do it that way. Yeah. Having said that, like, you know, there are, there are parallel <laughs> um, skills, like, like planning, planning to have protein sources in the fridge or thinking through the rest of your day or through event through events and like having a couple options on hand. That's just, that's just way better for me mentally and emotionally. And, um, I think it takes a lot of the stress, uh, stress out of it. And honestly with, with, I would say, I would say it's at least 50, 50 among our clients, whether they're pre-loggers or winger wing it's wingers how, how would you call it <laughs> i think <laughs> just because you're not pre-tracking doesn't mean you're not setting yourself up for success i mean setting yourself up for success is an umbrella of which is a lot of different options like what you're yeah. talking about is like hey like i know that i need to have fruits vegetables proteins easily readily accessible on hand close to me like geographically like distance wise literally close to me like easy to cook feeds the mouths in my house that they that'll suffice. And so you're saying, you know, for me, like actually like putting my whole day in the app, not for me, but going ahead and making the act of forming meals easier by fucking stocking my house and the cabinets and the fridge and the this and that with, with stuff that I know will make that process easier in the future. makes a ton of sense to me, whether you're doing both of those or not. I think that's like a, a massive one is like, it starts with your, with the food shop. It starts with like, let's be like, you think you're in control. You are in control to some degree, but like you want to increase your percent chance of, of eating more nutritiously more often. It's like stock more nutritious food more often. There's nothing, there's nothing disordered. Like it's just like, there's to me, there's nothing disordered about buying less crap. So you eat less crap. Like there's just like, I don't want me to be so like a good or bad. I just say, all right, buying less, not nutritious foods. You eat less not nutritious food. Like there's, there's no, there's nothing disordered about that. Um, in not my about opinion, caring about how you feel about how food makes you, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you go, off. Go. Jordan. Like I, I completely agree. Like I, I know through, through tracking and counting macros, I learned a lot about how I feel as a result of food, eating both timing and choices and all of that. Like, right. Hey, you right never now, learned about your blow sh- blood, low blood sugar until you start tracking macros. 100%. So, I mean, even just right now, and I'm not like dialed in in a, in a cut or even really tracking these days. And I've got panko crusted chicken breasts, fair life, protein milk cho- or chocolate milk, Greek yogurt, string cheese, um, uh, healthy choice meals in the freezers. I mean, there's, there's plenty of choices that have a good protein base, um, and you know, well, that's, that's a habit I'll take with me regardless of, yeah, and you not know, pre-logging doesn't mean you're not pre-thinking. That's not what that like, means. It's not like either, or you can actually wing it like strategically too. Right. I think if we look at the, I'm going to rattle off. I know you guys have a couple minutes. We got to close up shop in a sec, but if we're looking at like things about the nuts and bolts of how you're tracking, uh, I think the ones that jump to mind are me considering the use of pre-tracking in some way. So either you're pre-tracking or you're pre preparing. Oh, that's funny there. Uh, or you're considering the use of calorie cycling. So whether or not that, that like mentally personality logistically with like the way you live your life and lifestyle and going out and stuff, is that a strategy that will work for you? Does it line up with your hunger cues or not? Or is it kind of like an excuse to mask like some binge restrict tendencies? Um, consider the use of tracking just calories and protein versus all the macros. Again, I'm saying consider because there are people that it works both for, but I think that's something that you should think about when you're like, hey, how do I make this strategy, you know, not interfere with my ability to have a good relationship with food? I think using a range for a lot of things, whether mm-hmm. that's like a range of expected weight loss or a range of calories or a range of macros or a range of steps, like looking, just taking everything into zooming out and looking at averages, ranges, being a little bit less precise, uh, and then the last one that I put was don't go too low in calories. I'm I'm like intellectually a believer that that's not a, like physiologically a thing, but practically it's sure as shit a thing. And if you want to make your relationship with food let like suck, make your relationship with food less bad, uh, don't eat a thousand. Don't try and eat a thousand calories. Like there is a direct correlation across populations of people who go on super crazy crash diets and people who worsen their relationship with food. Those two lines are like right on top of each other. And so, yes, is it, are they technically, is it technically possible for you to go on a really low calorie diet and do it in a good headspace and not ruin your relationship with food? Totally. Is it likely? Probably not. 
Well, and let's remember that what we do consistently consistently is what gets us results. It's way less sexy than aggressively, but if you cannot maintain this pace that you've selected for yourself, then you should probably think and consider about increasing your calories. Even a hundred makes a huge difference, especially if you are in a deficit, right? And also like, let's not throw out the, you know, be with the bathwater on maintenance. Like there's a great place to start is in maintenance. Like that would ideally be where most coaches should recommend that you start against your, you know, of course, right. your own, your, your will, and you don't want to, but at the same time, that gives you a whole heck of a con- lot of context for your relationship with food when you actually know how much you're supposed to have, right? Mm-hmm. Believe it or not, the buster are not supposed to walk around with eating as little as possible. That's not really a thing. I was all talk. I, you, I, if you guys need to go, just like, give me a, give me, do the, do the hand signal that we talked about. Um, <laughs> and I was all talking. I was starting my last cut. I was like, oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to, I'm going to do it a little bit more aggressive. I'll get, I'll get in, get out, you know, all like the fun things that you said, I'll get in, get out. I'll just, I'll just grit and bear it for X amount of weeks and I'll get it done and quick. And then we'll get on with the, I'll do a fast reverse diet. And like all the, like the things that are like trendy now to say, which we've all, like I've said too. Um, I was like, maybe maybe half of one day into like my my like aggressive short get in get out uh a, a strategy and i was like nah fuck this shit i just can't do this and so i just remembered that i look at jen i was like oh i'm gonna get in get out let's do this quick you know all the things that people are like ah oh, that's my fits my personality type I'm like sure it does i'm sure it does you know and then one day into your 1700 calorie below maintenance diet and you you're like starving and hate it and can't sustain it like that was me too so as much as like it is fun to say that get in, get out, like just do, you know, be a little bit more aggressive. Like physiologically, it's not a big deal. You're not going to lose a lot of muscle. Like that, all that stuff is true. Like actually trying it once and and deciding, can I even do this is a important part. Well, remember when you talked me through that as well, like I, I mean, you coached me through a surplus and it was time to cut. And I tried it and I was like, and scene. <laughs> it was like, uh, it's when you, I think spending time in maintenance having an appreciation for how you feel when you have a balanced, adequate intake, you start to realize that a cut really does, it really does cut. Like it really does provoke a lot of physiological symptoms that are not pleasant. I and mean, a lot of people live, live there more often than they don't. And I think uh, just again, bringing, like you were talking about, like being flexible with your ranges, with your expectations of yourself and being curious about how you feel, what you're observing in yourself, both emotionally and behaviorally. I mean, we learn more from our mistakes and our our negative beliefs about food and ourselves when we, quote, screw up, close quote, than we do when, you know, when things go perfectly. I I tend to think that like there's a, that I wish, I wish that education was the thing that like helped people fight emotion with logic like I like to think that that's the case where it's like hey let's fight emotion with logic not that emotion's bad but if one of the one of the things that's been helpful for me to like become more aware of how I think and speak is like when my my thoughts and my feelings like don't actually have like a lot don't make logical sense in the real world and there's like a bit of a dissonance there where I'm like well that's not objectively true so why am I what's causing me to feel that way and so like when people talk about like the this food is good. This food is bad. This is, you know, cars make me fat. And they have just some things that are like objectively untrue. Um, and so I do think that there is, education is is helpful. I mean, it's just like, listen, man, people know cigarettes are bad for you. People still buy their first pack of cigarettes. So it's not like education is like, you're going to fix everyone's problem. People know that right. having too much body fat is not great for health. It's just not stopping the rate of, you know, obesity going up. But I still think it's an important piece of this. I think it's important to un- to understand generally energy balance understand generally that fiber is important why that protein is important why that carbs will make you fat why that you know why is a pop tart maybe less helpful for your weight maintenance goals physiologically but where does it have a place in the non-biological drives to eat the reasons that we enjoy food for other reasons so there's education that i think is a i think it would be remiss to not mention i think it's 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 relevant it's something that we as coaches like to do but i think it's important to acknowledge that you can't just tell someone the truth and, and have it entirely be like, okay, oh, carbs don't make me fat. So all of a sudden I'm totally cured of my carb phobia. Like it doesn't oh actually work that simply. So true. Exactly. And similarly, like if somebody's in a, a overeating shame spiral that it it isn't, um, that it isn't a moral failing. And that when you are at the effect of significant negative emotion, that your logic the, the logic centers in your brain literally are offline and you may not have access to that education that you're talking about. Um, but again, that's also 
so that's also a situation you can learn so much about yourself from about what you were thinking and feeling at that time, what were the triggers in your environment, what was happening for you leading up to that, to those experiences, um, rather than looking at that and being like, well, that was a super huge mistake and I'm a terrible person who will never get my goals and now I'm going to double down on perfectionism and try to hit everything exactly from now on because that's where safety is. It's like, it's definitely, it's definitely not. It's in, um, you know, like you said, having approaching yourself and your goals with some flexibility and awareness and objectivity. Have you guys, I don't know, you have, you have time for one more, one more thing. I do. Okay. Mm -hmm. Do you, do you have, have you had a, I know you do, but like, I'm curious, are have you had clients, whether they're not enjoying the tracking experience or whether it's, it is maybe messing with the relationship with food. Like, have there been like, what are not some of your go-to other strategies, but maybe things that alongside tracking maybe instead of but maybe alongside that you feel like other than just like traditional calorie counting and I'll start with one to give an example but like other than just like traditional counting the macros or counting the calories like stuff that you think is important to acknowledge alongside of it and one of them for me has been like um either a total fiber goal or a per meal fiber goal uh even just as like a way of breaking down that larger goal into smaller goals um to me that, that has had it's just funny because it's it's so important on so many levels because it's important directly because it's good for your health. You having good mm -hmm. gut microbiome, it's good for your cholesterol. Um, but it is also really good for satiety, and it also just like very indirectly helps you limit calories. And not that that's like sneakily what we're going for, but it also is a nice knock on benefit. And so that has actually been something. It's like yeah, we're gonna track calories. That's important, but like. I'd sooner have you track fiber than carbs, you know, or, and that's my personal thing. I'd rather you track fiber than fat. I'd rather you track fiber oh. than, than totally. almost protein maybe, you know, as you know, and so that's something that depending on how like specific you want to be with that, is there, are there other things that you have experienced where you're like, yeah, maybe we are counting the macros, but we're also paying attention to this thing here that I think is really important. You know, um, I totally agree with you on fiber. And I, I mean, and I would rather people, I would, I would rather have people count protein than even calories. If that was even, that, that was even an option. Um, as far as, um, you know, we've done things like, you know, what are, what are foods you think you aren't allowed to have? Like, what are, what are foods you believe are bad? What are foods you wish you could have, you know, and, and starting to work like some that. of those in, um, you know, we had a client once who, who, had a real thing with chocolate cake. And so she, she fit chocolate cake in like every day for like two weeks. And then she was like, and suddenly the power of chocolate cake is gone. You know, not that she doesn't enjoy it, but you know, the, the, uh, the like Nat's bad boy uh, analogy, that sort of thrill of it dissipated. Um, and then of course, just like, you know, a lot of the other biofeedback markers, like, are you getting enough sleep. That's probably one of the biggest ones we've been coaching and focusing on this past year because it talks about something that. completely colors. Yeah, yeah. Completely colors your reality. Yeah. yeah. Just tracking the hours spent in bed, I think is very objective because it's hard to be like, I slept this many hours. Cause like you probably sleep like 80% of the time that you are in bed. I'm really going to think about putting that in, uh, in my little tracker thing, at least as like an optional thing that people can track, because I think that that could be pretty illuminating. I think it's pretty, uh, you know, to, to know like, Yes, sleep quality is something I'd like to know, but like I think a proxy for sleep quality would just be like time I invest to being in my bed, um, yeah. which I think I would put at around like at least eight hours, frankly. Now you won't sleep for that long, but being like the term is a sleep opportunity. It's like how much time you have like the opportunity that. to sleep. Um, and at least eight hours of that, that's an, that's a huge, I mean, amazing. That's an amazing call. That's totally one on my list. Absolutely. I've tried like yeah. satiety scoring and like trying to you know, journal after meals and it, it's, it, is has been helpful for those who do it, but it's certainly one of those things like like meditation where a lot of people like find that they just like either don't have, they, they'll they'll scoff at a little bit. They're, I don't have the time to do that or I'm not gonna sit down and journal after I eat. Um, but that can be, that can be like a little questionnaire, like a three or four like satiety scoring, like how you feel energy wise, you know, half hour after you eat yeah. or something like that has been an interesting one for for those that have stuck with it. Absolutely, I totally agree with you. And I mean, then that might be something you know, meditation for me is definitely not a daily practice, but I try to get it in a few times a week. You know what I mean? And journal, maybe doing a journaling exercise like that. Like, ab absolutely. Um, I mean, anything like you were talking about in the very beginning, like how do you build your introspection? 
that way. That's how you do it. Yeah. You know, you're asking yourself in whatever way works for you. Sometimes we'll have people set a timer on their phone for just a few random times a day. And when it comes up, it's like, what am I, what am I feeling right now? What am I thinking about right now? Um, just building your, building your self-awareness, basically being curious and watchful about your life experience um, and, and how it's working for you. Yeah, the key, the word is the the word is curious, and that's just like something yeah. that takes time to cultivate. A lot of people don't want to ask those questions because they're not afraid of the answer, but like you're, it's it, they're things that like your gut might know. Sometimes you explore something new. I, I think that that's totally normal, but sometimes you kind of know and you don't want to admit that it's something you're not proud of, and so you're like subconscious block subconsciously like blocking it out. But totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you ever yeah, have you ever had a like a period of time like like um, committed to like journaling like in a longer form? You know, um, yeah, I've definitely gone through periods of that journaling. Um, I'm much more of a verbal processor, to be honest. So, um, I'm, uh, like a method that kind of, I mean, obviously I have Nat to talk to a bunch, but I also make time in my week to talk to my sisters and I have a therapist and I have a coach and, um, you know, a life coach. And, and I think that really like that helps that brings like a sense of accountability and consistency to that like self-awareness practice. Awesome. Works for me. What about you? Uh, I have, I I've, I have, and there've been periods where it goes really well. It's, it's something that I find difficult to pick up after putting down something that definitely it's like a momentum thing for me. Um, but yeah. I, I think just, you need to have some blocked out time, whether it's per week, per day that you are being introspective. Like I just, and, and for me, it's the one hour of therapy every week where I'm like, mm -hmm. I, and there are times I find that interesting with therapies, like the one, not that we're pivoting hard. You guys, I'm sorry, we're not going to circle back around to, to calories just yet. Um, <laughs> we'll probably shut it down after this. So you don't give a shit yeah. about any of this. Go ahead. But um, <laughs> it's like that, that time, that time to me is like, I, I need it there because it, it's not that it lets me off the hook of being introspective on the daily. It's still like, you can't, those skills are with me all the time. But if I didn't have that, it would really make, I don't know. It, there are weeks that I just like, want to not have it because oh, yeah. because I want to like self like a little self-sabotage like I want to sulk I want to I don't want to face the the feelings I know I'm having and I I will I like texted is like a, having a safe word I like texted my therapist I'm like if I ever try to cancel on you like call bullshit <laughs> at least one time like call bullshit on whatever my excuse is at least once be like are you sure that's what you have like just give me one chance to like backtrack on it um it hasn't happened yet, but I'm just like, yeah, just if I tell you I but oh, I got a call or something, be like, Are you sure you have a call? Like just do it <laughs> once. Just give me one chance to like opt back in. It is so true. Well, and I mean, I think I I think I will full bring it full circle back to tracking, actually, because I think a lot of times people avoid it because they don't because of what they don't want to see or because they haven't done it for so long or whatever. But you know, popping in every now and then, actually, uh, you know, if you're taking a break or whatever, I think that's great. But popping in every now and then, just like you were talking about with like tracking an in and out burger. And, and tracking what you are doing just, you know, first of all, it is a perishable skill. So it might be interesting for you to see, you know, see how you're doing. And I bet it's going to be better than you think it is. Yeah. Agreed. We're going to wrap it up there. I, I got a call in a second. Uh, hey. Thank you guys for coming. Thank thank Heidi for sticking around a little bit longer. Everyone DM Natalie and tell her be mad that she had to walk out a couple minutes early. But, um, <laughs> all good. I, thanks for your time, guys. And uh, yes. we'll catch you guys in the next Always episode. Good. All right. See you later. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Where Optimal Meets Practical. If you liked the episode, it would mean the world to me if you posted a screenshot to your social media or left a five-star review on iTunes. That stuff really helps. If you ever want to get in touch with me, just shoot me a DM on Instagram, at Jordan Lips Fitness. I'm always around to chat. Thanks, guys. Have a good one.